Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. And while you're there, go check out our pin post on X and go to the description of each of these shows on the listening platforms and on over on YouTube. We've got year six of Rock Around the 412. We are in the final week, people. It's crazy. We started this off in July. I talked about it a little bit last week. It's crazy how, t- how fast time flies. I feel like football season definitely helps along with that. But we're only a week away, less than a week away, because we actually set a hard date for the donations to cut off, which we typically don't do. We kind of just go with the flow. But we have a hard date of December 11th, which is six days away as of recording this. So if you're considering This will be the last episode that we talk about. This is the last episode that we'll be talking about getting donations. We'll be able Mm -hmm. to tell you the final tally, talk about more about the families we've been able to help and all that sort of stuff in the upcoming shows. But yes, this is the last episode you're going to hear that we talk about wanting donations still. So if you're interested in that, or if you know somebody who could be interested and you want to sh- share it and pass it along, it is the pin post on X, like I said, and it's also the des- in the description of each of these shows on the listening platforms and on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, the link is there as well as we have a Facebook and an Etsy link for everything custom designs, which is Haley Wagner, our friend's small business. If you want to go check that out, she's got some Christmas stuff for you. I've seen she has various Christmas designs in terms of just like clothing that you can get. She's also got some stockings that you can get customized as well as like a Santa sack that you could deliver presents in or have a fun display with. There's all sorts of Christmas stuff that she's got going on and she's got stuff outside of Christmas too, if you're interested in anything else as well. So if you want to reach out to her, we got a couple links in the description too that you can get in touch with her. But yeah, check out the links. Six days until rocking around the four one two year six is done. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. And uh, you know, I'll I'll be honest. There's a, a part of me, obviously, that like wants to say I can't wait until it's over because of everything that goes into it, um, and how busy I am when it's going on. But of course, I want this to continue to be able to raise as much money as possible to be able to help as many children as possible. So keep them coming in make me do a bunch of work over the next week to be able to do this uh, and beyond that. Obviously the donations will be up until the week, but I'll still be doing stuff. Um, obviously buying this stuff. And then if they are families wrapping the stuff, um, we put a lot of that, you know, in the family's hands though, in terms of if they want us to do it or if they would like to do it, is it supposed to be from Santa? Do they want it to be from them? So uh, we really don't care. The, the main thing is we're getting these children the presents, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, as Tyler kind of mentioned, I want to be able to, when this is all wrapped up, try to figure out, since we started this thing in 2018, a rough estimate in terms of how many children have we have impacted, how many families we've impacted. Uh, we know that we've raised over $30,000, that much we know for sure, which is a crazy number. When we, say, when we say we, we mean a collective everybody, not just the two of us sitting here. Yeah. Because we, no, no, we're we, literally the mouthpiece of this. We don't do anything besides organize all the gifts, like Smitty was just saying, really. It's everybody else that actually that gets all of this stuff for the for the children to be able to. All the donations are really where it comes from. So when we say we, we're not just talking about us. Yeah. What was I say? You know, I, you were tiptoeing the line there when you said we don't really do anything. I took a look to my left, and I would slightly have to disagree with that when I take a look. No, no, to my no. Left, we don't but... do anything in terms of like <laughs> right. the actual uh, 
funding the for it, but 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 yes. but we do in terms of actually the involvement with the families and everything like that. Yes. And what we do because we are so appreciative of people's generosity is give them an opportunity to win prizes for donating at least ten dollars to the cause. So if you donate at least ten dollars, you'll be eligible to win prizes. Uh, we got an Eric Carlson jersey, a Joy Porter Jr. jersey, another Steelers jersey of choice, a set of Penguin tickets, an autographed Mika Fitzpatrick jersey. I'm gonna have to figure out something pirates to throw in there, at least one thing as well. Um, so I'll take a look at like Total Sports Enterprise or something. But if anybody has an idea too, like any because pretty clear at this point that between the three teams we talked about the pirates the least we might not have the best gauge or the best hand on the pulse of what pirates fans would want um so if there is a specific item or idea that you have for what would be a really cool pirates prize throw it my direction and we'll see what we can do i think Um, they want monday night tickets in april (laughs) there, there you go um but okay, so let's. This is the Steelers show, so I feel like we should talk about the Steelers. You know, yeah, we're five minutes in, haven't th- said a lick about the Steelers. Maybe, yeah, we should just put. You know what? That's the end of the episode. We'll talk to you guys after the Patriots game. See you next week. Uh, no, but I, I think that let's talk about this game against the Cardinals. I, you know, I feel like we we're five minutes into this thing, we haven't talked about it yet. Maybe subconsciously, for this marathon against the Cardinals, because yeah. it felt um, like it felt more like a marathon, especially for someone that was actually in the building for it. Well, I was about to say, this was the first game that I did not stick around for since, really? uh, I think, definitely since I've had my season tickets. I don't know if I've ever left the game early. If I did, it would have been by my parents' choice when I didn't have the opportunity to say no, when I was so young and don't even really remember it. This was the first game I left. Um, and it necessarily didn't have to do with like what was going on scoreboard-wise. When it went to a second weather delay, I was like, this, that's it. Like I'm, This is miserable. There's no point in me being here. There were other factors at play besides just the game, like with the way that the weather was and everything like that. So my dad and I left and it was, we got home before the game even ended. Like it was like early in the fourth quarter by the time I got home because of the delay and everything like that. Very easy to get out of traffic from the casino. Um, But yeah, what was actually going on on the field. And I did, of course, like still had to go back and watch it anyway, because I feel like I have to, to be able to have a conversation about the game. I'm not one of those people that like, just like to look at the Bosch score, be ill-informed. Um, went back and watched this, and right away, what, what jumped out to me um, was they, they were running the football well early. Actually, they did a lot of things well on that first drive. I mean, they open up with a play-action deep shot to George Pickens. Obviously, the drive stalls out uh, in the red zone, and they have to settle for three. But I felt really good after that first drive and thinking, okay, this is the way that this game should probably go. You know, even if you are settling for field goals here and there, Against this Arizona team, that should be enough, but it wasn't. Um, you know, James Conner had a day. Kyler Murray used his legs a little bit to be able to extend and make some plays. Um, and the offense gave them nothing. So, and, and they turned the football over, which is something they haven't done very much. The Steelers' offense did. So, I don't know where you want to start with this. Um, I get, let, let's start with the injury stuff because Kenny Pickett going to miss multiple weeks. We don't know exactly how long. That is going to be, but Mitch Trubisky came in in this game. We will see him start Thursday, multiple weeks in a row. He's going to start. The question is, uh, when are we going to get Kenny back? Sounds like, I mean, best case scenario would be the end of this month against Cincinnati. I think it's more realistic. You're looking at Seattle or Baltimore to end the season. Um, Does anything change for you, though, for the offense? I mean, because realistically, the way I'm looking at it, we had this conversation when we thought Kenny got hurt, suffered an injury against the Texans that was going to sideline him for a little bit. For me, Short term doesn't really change anything about the offense. I think Mitch can give you the uh, wait, oh oh man, you're losing three points that you scored but with Kenny before halftime. I mean, I don't think much changes in the short term in terms of production from the offense. But the entire reason of firing Canada was because Kenny wasn't being developed. So you had this opportunity now to evaluate Kenny away from Canada, and any time that he is missing is games that you are losing valuable time to evaluate what you have in him to try to come to an answer as, as, the, as if the, is the guy. So that, that to me is what is actually happening here. What's your take on it going from Kenny to Mitch with this offense? I, I don't think it has much of an impact on what actually happens on the field, um, to, to be completely honest. And maybe maybe that's a more of an indictment and more of a bad sign for what it looks like whenever Kenny's at quarterback than whatever it is with Mitch at quarterback, just because there's, yeah. there's no drop off. It really seems like it seems like they can, they can at least from a functionality standpoint, operate in the exact same way 
they could under Mitch that they could have under Kenny. And I think that's a problem um, that the Steelers are going to have moving forward because Kenny hasn't showed that step and, and, and taken a leap to separate himself from quarterback one to quarterback two. Realistically, let's let's be honest, people. Like Kenny is the quarterback one because he's their first-round draft pick, not because he's outstandingly better than Mitch Trubisky. And I, 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 I do think that Kenny still gives you a slight edge, but it's not much. It's it's not much. I I the well, one thing that he has not done recently is not turn over the ball. He hasn't done that in, yeah. in the, the the most majority of the season, especially in the recent parts. Mitch went in his time that he's been in, especially this season that so far, except for this last game. Well, actually, no, he lost a fumble. So never mind. Yeah, I mean, he, I he, put that on Mason Cole, but yeah, it was, it was a fumble. It's still a turnover on the box score for for Trubisky. So, but but. Mm-hmm. Regardless, there's been a turnover seemingly every single time that, that Mitch has taken more than a, yeah. a few snaps in a game. So that's the one thing where I would say there's a noticeable difference and even a, like a statistical difference between the two. But as far as like what, what the play calls are going to be, how the offense is going to function, I feel like that is more so going to be up to the defense they're going up against, obviously, but not necessarily who's the quarterback. Like I don't think the playbook is going to change at all on Thursday night versus what we've seen the rest of the season, just because they're switching to Mitch Trubisky. I think it's going to be the exact same. Yeah. What I'm really interested in is, uh, well, actually I don't want to bring it at this point. Cause we'll talk about it when we talk about this Patriots game, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement, obviously in, in terms of what the offense can do, whether it's Kenny or whether it's Mitch under center, um, you know, maybe Mitch is a little bit more willing to take chances and that could be to the betterment of the team or go against them if he does turn the football over. Um, but if you didn't say it, I was going to. The one thing that Kenny does do that they like, it kind of fits what the way that they want to play football, is not turning the football over. And that just kind of goes along with our style. Like, we're going to run the football, we're going to play really good defense, and we're not going to turn it over. And we're going to play a very boring style of football and probably beat you like 13 to 10. That That is what the Steelers have done this year. Um, Going to Mitch now, you almost wonder, like, you have to have, I feel like, a little bit higher of a ceiling offensively in the case that he does turn the football over. Or that has to be something that he is very cautious of. No no quarterback's going out there trying to turn the football over, obviously. But when you have a guy that's more willing to take risks, and I appreciate this, I'd rather him be a little bit of a gunslinger, um, that's just going to come along with it. So it's going to be interesting to see now that he knows he's the starter. Like, you know, you're not coming in as the backup. Mitch knows for a few weeks here, at least he's going to be QB one of this football team. How different does he look now being prepared to be the guy? Like we've talked about this in the past and it's actually been the other way. Like we felt better about him coming in in relief, knowing that somebody wasn't like breathing down his neck, but you know, you still feel like very clearly the team doesn't think highly of the idea of playing Mason Rudolph. They might like having him in the room and like having his insurance, but I think that they're going to give Mitch a pretty decent leash here. So I'd still feel the same way. Like he doesn't have a first round pick breathing down his neck. Does that play into it at all in terms of how loose he's going to go out there and play? I think it probably would. And that's something that I was going to bring up is that it, we've talked about how Mitch Trubisky seems to, to play different when he doesn't have somebody giving him pressure from behind. Um, and as far as a backup goes and with Mason Rudolph, you're not going to get that. Um, the, the Steelers have made that very clear. I feel like, like you were just saying, that there's no real opportunity that Mason Rudolph is going to get outside of another quarterback injury. And, and so with with the the leash going to be longer for, for Mitch, I would think that you would probably feel more comfortable. And especially knowing, like you were saying too, that you're you're not coming off the bench. Like you're going into it. You get the the number one reps all week in practice. Well, all week, all three days in practice. Uh <laughs> And, and even the games after that, moving forward, you know you're going to be the guy. So whether or, or not the offenses changes from a fundamental standpoint, I don't think that that necessarily matters because it's not going to. I think that the, what is going to change as far as what can change is the mentality that Mitch Trubisky is going to have and how that affects him as a quarterback moving forward. If he knows, and he, I'm sure Mitch knows, like this is not a permanent thing. Like most, like I, I feel like the only way that this could be a permanent thing is if he looks so good where Kenny comes back and they're like, listen, we're riding the hot hand right now. Like, like if he's coming back and he's throwing like 
two to three touchdowns a game, averaging 250, 300 yards a game. I'm not expecting this in the slightest, but I'm just saying in the <laughs> off chance that this happens and it's it's it comes back, Kenny comes back and we're on a win streak and we're lighting it up on the scoreboard and stuff. It's like that would be a tough decision as far as the Steelers goes, or it's like Kenny didn't necessarily do anything on the field to lose the job compared to what Mitch was doing before he came in as a starter. But now because of injury that that could change some things. Like I said, fully do not expect that, but I do think that it could get, this could put Mitch in a better mindset as the starting quarterback, which could lead to better play or more loose play. Um, I, 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 I think that Mitch Trubisky will probably perform to his, the best of his abilities in the situation he's in right now because there's nobody breathing down his neck like we've been saying. Yeah, I mean, I think the big winner of this is George Pickens, to be honest with you, because I do think that you're going to see him take a few more shots uh, down. You know, The, uh, the thing I'm curious is he going to take shots down the middle of the field. Um, like we started to see a little bit of in Cincinnati and was hoping would carry over. I think they're going to stretch it out, you know, on the boundaries. And I think Pickens could definitely win some there. I mean, you saw in this game, what do you have, like four four catches for like 80-some yards. So once again, averaging over 20 a pop uh, was Pickens. And I think that he's probably the beneficiary in this move. Um, obviously, that's not what I'm, I'm – I'm not hoping that the – it's just one guy on offense that benefits and they're still doing the exact same thing. That's an interesting point that you brought up, though, is like Mitch's performance. How does it play into when Kenny does come back? I – man – if it depends on, and this is if you believe this, Jerry Dulac put out there that the Steelers were close to benching Kenny in Cleveland. So, if if we are to believe that, you know that the leash was gotten that, sh- and, I, and I don't know, I, I really don't know what to make of that. But if the leash had gotten that short that they were about to do it there, and that's without Mitch, you know, stringing together some performances here in the team winning, like in the scenario you presented, um, you would have to think it's possible for sure, that the Steelers just do ride the hot hand. I mean, they haven't gotten good quarterback play in a very long time. They've gotten quarterback play that they can win football games with, but they haven't gotten quarterback play that they're winning because of in a very long time. If you start getting that type of quarterback play you're talking about, two touch, two plus touchdowns, 250 yards a game, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't stick with it. I'm just saying that Jake Browning threw for 354 yards. I'd literally yeah, jump he... off my roof of the, the apartment building <laughs> if Kenny threw for 354 yards in a game. I don't even know if he's thrown for 254 yards. He, he, had, he had 278 against the Bengals. And that's what I was about to bring up was he had 278 against the Bengals and we're sitting here talking like he just threw for 500. Like, that is what the equivalent is. I mean, when you see him throwing for barely over 100 and then he has a game for 278, that type of jump is what we're talking about here. But Jake Browning, yeah, he was fantastic against Jacksonville. Um, I thought that they game plan very and here, let me bring the Trubisky thing into that conversation. Jake Browning, maybe, you know, not fully prepared to come in and play the Steelers though. He did have, you know, basically they played on Thursday night when Joe got hurt. So he should have known, you know, he had a little bit of time to get ready for the Steelers, but then the, the next full week being able to pre- prepare as knowing Joe's season's over. I am the guy the rest of the way and look at the performance he goes out and has. It's a lot of that is in the coaching staff's hands as well. And I don't trust the Steelers offensive staff to put together that type of a game plan for Trubisky. But all I'm saying is, you know, again, so maybe you're not looking at this Patriots game, but for sure that following against Indy, you should get the best version of Mitch. So I'm almost looking at it like, okay, short weeks suck. The fact that the Steelers play in two days or one day, depending on when you are watching or listening to this just shows how asinine it is that Thursday night football is a thing because this game against the Cardinals literally just happened and we got to go play another one. But as long as you can get past this one, don't look past New England and get a W there. Then you got a little bit of an extended time before you got to go to Indy. All that time to prepare Mitch to be the number one guy, knowing there's not a guy breathing down his neck. I don't know. Maybe there's something more in there. I'm not saying like a Jake Browning type performance, but understanding that he, he is the guy, at least for a little bit. We we just need the I love kiss of titties, Mitch. That's that's what we really need. We need that version of Mitch Trubisky. Uh yeah. What a time. What a time to be alive. Um there was anything offensively in this Cardinals game stand out to you otherwise. There, there's nothing. 
there, there was really nothing stand out to me. Um, the questionable play calling on like the middle down, so like second and third down. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like. Well, well, the one thing that I don't think they did enough, and I mean, between the two of them, they had twenty five carry. I don't think they ran the ball enough. Yeah, and it was never like Arizona was like up by so much that they took it away from their offense. Like you didn't have to go away from it. Yeah, like I, I understand it was pretty evenly split when you look at like the passes to the the carries because not including quarterback carries because these couldn't include sacks. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, no, it, it wouldn't include sacks because the neither of our quarterbacks got sacked. Um, so including quarterback, not including quarterback carries, regardless, just because. Um, 16 and not 16 for Najee, nine for Jalen Warren. So 25 carries by the running backs, and they threw the ball 27 times. I th- like it's evenly split, but I feel like it didn't need to be in this game, considering how the game was evolving. Like, once you got away from that first drive and you saw that you weren't moving the ball, ball through the air like you were before, I don't understand mm-hmm. why they continued to, to try to do it because they were setting themselves up. I, I feel like, specifically on like First and second down, they were setting themselves up for a worse third down than they could have been. When I felt like a lot of the times, if you just run the ball, you're going to get at least three to four yards. Because, I mean, early on, it it seemed like they were were getting at least three to four yards a pop every single time they were touching the ball, if not more. I just was curious, like, why do you think they went away from that? I don't even know the reasoning. Yeah, I didn't think the sequencing – the plays was very good it didn't seem like there was any rhyme or reason they weren't building one thing off of another uh in this game so i didn't think sullivan was very good uh alan and i talked about that on our show today as well like that was definitely lacking from the offense too you know it wasn't just execution in this one like you can go back and watch uh there were certainly plays left on the field by the players for sure you could say that every week though but yeah i don't think that the the uh, the play calling helped them either for sure in this one. And I don't know. I don't know why they got away from it because Arizona not good against the run. The Steelers running backs have been fantastic as of late. They've been running the ball down people's throats, 150 plus and four straight before that was broken on Sunday against the Cardinals. I don't, I don't know what it was. I I really don't have an answer for you. I don't know if for whatever reason they saw something matchup wise that they just didn't want to go against. I'm sure Isaac Samalo getting hurt might've changed their plans a little bit. But I thought Herbig stepped in and actually from that point on was one of their better offensive linemen uh, for certainly on run blocking. I mean, actually, now that we're on the subject of the offensive linemen, there there was the rough Roger Jones game. That was it. Mm-hmm. He was very bad yeah. on this one. And, you know, he, he's a rookie. Those are going to come. We're going to have the growing pains. It's encouraging that we didn't ha- see it up until this point. It's odd that it comes against this opponent. And now you just hope that, like, these days don't stack. Hopefully he's able to bounce back on a short week against New England and play much better because I thought he finally had his, like, one really down performance that you can look at and say that he looked like a rookie in this one. And Mason Cole had his, like, seventh down oh, man. performance. I mean, I don't even know what to say about Mason. It- Here's the thing about Mason Cole. Is and I'll 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 let you speak to to what you're seeing too, but because I want to bring another aspect into this, which he is very good at, and why he is still being kept around. Not that it's a reason that he should be. He is, for whatever reason, for better or worse, you can take it or leave it, the leader of that offensive line. He is the guy that, win or loss, is available to the media, very open and honest about his and his team's performance. And is, you know, we'll have conversations about it. And he's just been that guy for the offensive line over the last two seasons. Now, at the same time, if you're not performing on the field, to me, that doesn't matter. But I understand why the Steelers value him, especially being the organization that they are, for what he brings from a leadership perspective. But you got to be at least providing, you know, baseline center play, uh, you know, for that to even come into the equation for me, the type of leadership qualities that you bring to the table. And in my mind, other than, you know, for a stretch last year, uh, you know, and like the, after the bye week where I thought like kind of everybody on that offensive line was improving, I, he hasn't been good enough for this team of the better part of two seasons. I, I mean, at times I just feel like he looks lost at center. To me, it looks like he's taking wrong steps in his, his like blocking reads and it's costing them in terms of like how well they're executing what their actual block blocks are. And I feel like he gets blown up way too easily. And whenever you're talking about some of the shotgun snaps, we had one on Sunday with, with Mitch and that that's what caused that fumble. 
but then you also have one um, earlier this season with Kenny that I saw floating around Twitter because Jacksonville showing the replay. Yeah, they were showing the replay of that one. What, and common common denominator in both of those. It was raining, and I'm not excusing it, but I'm just saying clearly he has trouble snapping the ball in the rain, which you would think most guys have more trouble. But you got to be able to do it if you're an NFL center. Exactly. I just I, he looks lost to me, and he just looks like he doesn't necessarily know what read he should be making uh, as far as like what the defense is giving in front of him at times. And I feel like that's why he gets blown up so easily. But at the same time, I they don't really have a better option right now as far as centers goes. So I understand why he keeps playing. And like you were saying, he is the leader of that, that offensive line for better or for worse. But I definitely think that like after last season, we knew that tackle was – arguably the position, but mm-hmm. definitely one of the positions that the Steelers are going to be looking at with their first pick, if not one of their first like two picks. I feel like center has to be a, a, a one of their first two or three picks. A, a, they they have to look to improve the position. If they're not going to draft one. They have to get one in free agency. I'm not aware of any free agent centers, at least off the top of my head, but they've, they've got to address that because I feel like that is going to be continuing to kill them if they can't shore up the middle of that offensive line. Yeah, I, I would think that that's near the top of their, you know, 24 offseason list right now is center. And to your point about not having other viable options behind him, that's another one of those things that to me is similarly to the whole Canada debacle is a mistake not made necessarily in season. It's made prior to the season, not having somebody else that you can trust to be put into the spot because very clearly, like even last year when he was playing well, he knew he wasn't going to be the long-term solution. Like even if he was playing above what he should be or what he looked like he had through his career, you knew this wasn't some long-term solution guy at center. He wasn't going to be, you know, the next Pouncey or anything like that. Um, or what you had maybe hoped Kendrick Green was going to be when you drafted him. Like you knew this was not going to be the long-term solution at center. He's a bridge. Um I think he should have done better behind him. And I mentioned Kendrick Green. And maybe to start training camp, they thought he would be the guy. And then it looked even worse than it did his rookie year. And then obviously they end up moving on from him. I I think that this is a failure done before the season, as opposed to the conversation that we're having right now by not bringing in somebody else capable of performing that job, whether it be due because say Mason Cole gets hurt. Like we're talking about for performance reasons. But like at least he would still be healthy enough in a pinch to do it. Like if you had to do it, if Mason Cole gets hurt, what are they doing? Like they don't even have James Daniels snapping at all, even though he's very capable. Your your backup center, probably. Yeah, I would assume so. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Like because it's not something that he's really done a whole lot of. Like they don't have another natural center on the roster. Spencer Anderson would he be the? He's played all five spots. I don't know. It's Herbig or Spencer Anderson. It's not Daniels, even though had Daniels been doing a little bit of it here and there, he would be their best option. Oh, it's a problem. It's a, it, and it's yeah. con- it continues to be a problem. And that's why I like, like when I mentioned the fumble that Mitch had, that was really on, on the center. Like that is, that is definitely on the snap itself. Yes. I, I mean, again, I, I, Mitch could have looked a little bit more athletic trying to look for the ball, but I mean, I'm not going to complain about it when it's, it's tangled in his feet. That's definitely on the center. Well, maybe that's and maybe that's another one you say where Kenny makes a play that Mitch doesn't, and it's not necessarily doing anything afterwards, but it's saving the possession for the Steelers. I think we've seen Kenny be able to do that. Well, that's that's one of those ones where it's just you in the moment. I understand the thought of staying on your feet and picking up the ball, but sometimes you just got to take your lumps where they come, and you just have to dive down on the ball, like fall down. So from that. I guess that's a correction for Mitch Trubisky, but in the heat of the moment, I I get it. Like I I, I yeah. totally get it for him just wanting to pick up the ball. But what what is it where I feel like bad snaps just breed offensive lines letting people through? Like I understand that the defense is going to see the bad snap, but I just feel like there was not even like a chance for Trubisky to even pick up the ball and do something with it. It just seemed like people were in his face automatically. Yeah, I don't. I, I that's that's a good question. I don't know because I mean I've went back and watched that. Obviously, I, they were they were there very quick on Trubisky. Multiple guys were there very quick on Trubisky. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if like the sound because they hear ball, ball, ball or something. Maybe that throws them off or something. I I don't know. Mainly, I don't know I'm just like you're. 
whether the snap is bad or not, the only one who really knows that the snap is bad is the quarterback. Even the center probably doesn't necessarily know that the snap was bad. The blocking should still be the same whether the, the snap was bad or not. I don't know. It's it's yeah. it, it was just frustrating. Um, let's switch to the defensive side of the football, and I want to start on a good note because we've talked so negatively here to start this episode. Keanu Benton just continues to be better and better each and every week. Uh, he only was able to play 20-some snaps in this one, was dealing with a little bit of an oblique injury. Uh, They're in nickel and dime. He's not Thursday. on the field. I saw Derek yeah. tweeting out this, the percentages of snaps or the, the total of snaps. Um, for the interior guys, whenever their Steelers are a nickel and dime, and Keanu Benton had two snaps. Yeah, and and well, again, I'm not saying that that's not like that. That's a season long thing. I'm assuming, right? That he yeah. that he put out there, not just yeah. So we haven't gotten to the point where he's out there anyway, and maybe it will be similarly to the utilization of Javon Hardgrave, who was a really good player but didn't play a ton, you know, in those scenarios and stuff. I hope not. You know, I would like to see Keanu Benton. I think he offers a little bit more flexibility for them too. Like he can move along and play in different techniques. So I'll be interested to see like, you know, not necessarily the rest of this year, but like as we progress here in 2024, 2025, how is he being utilized? Because I think realistically, despite him playing where he is right now, I think he's the long-term solution at Cam Hayward's spot. So I do think you're going to continue to see his role grow. But anyways, just 20-some snaps on Sunday. was dealing with an oblique injury. Short week, you got Monty Adams coming back too, who's played really well prior to injury. So I don't know that I'm expecting like a full workload back all of a sudden. Like He is a guy that this, this year has gotten upwards of 60% of the snaps in certain weeks. And when I looked at the Patriots, I would think that they would be the type of game where that could happen again because they're not, you know, really a threat to pass the ball, even though they did lose Ramondre Stevenson. I still think they want to run the football at their core. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily going to happen because of this oblique injury limiting him a little bit. But I do think, man, was he flashing in this game. I mean, there's a play where he blows up an offensive lineman into Kyler Murray and forces him to fumble a handoff before he can get the ball to James Conner. Now the they obviously recovered it and everything like that. But those are the types of plays that are really just popping off the page to me. And I mean, what, what a pick that this has continued to be. He just continues to get better and better. And, you know, I think as the draft class as a whole, I could say the same thing about, I know Broder took his lumps, like I said, on Sunday, but Joey Porter jr. Has been fantastic way more than we could ask for at this point. Darnell's doing his job. He's doing what they drafted him to do being a blocking tight end. So and Herbig, man, and another, you want to talk about a guy that's making the most of his opportunities. If he plays like he's played like 13 snaps or something like that over the last three weeks, he has two sacks in those. Like, I mean, he's he's making the most of his opportunities every time he's on the field. Yeah, this this draft class continues to be what we talked about. Like I, I said it whenever this draft class happened, that it was arguably the best draft class that I've had in my lifetime on paper and off of paper and on the field, they've continued to show. <laughs> that they they were right on that. Broderick Jones, outside of having a poor game in this in this game, has had a great season so far, especially being your number one guy and stepping in um, to, to take over starting role on that offensive line. Joey Porter Jr. has definitely improved as the season has went along. I, I, I think that that was a great pick, and to get him at, in te- technically the second round uh, was awesome. And then even Keanu Benton is a guy that we – I remember during like our, our live draft show talked about whether this guy is actually going to be there when the Steelers pick again. We talked about like this could be a guy that somebody's going to take at the back end of the first round if they really liked him. And so when you get that type of talent and you're able to to get it with your third pick, I, I mean, it, it was amazing value. And he's continuing to show why he's arguably out of everybody. And I, I, I just sing the praises of the other two. He's arguably the best pick, I think. As, uh, in the as far as this, this this season goes with these draft picks, yeah, yeah, I think he has been. Now, you know, taking into consideration the fact that they've needed Porter to play so much more, you know, with what they've gotten from the other corners, um, and now Broderick starting as a tackle and stuff like that, I get it. But just on like a a per snap basis, the impact that he's making every time that he's on the field, I, I think it's Keanu Benton that's been their best draft pick and to your point you know i think he could have gone at the back end around one i mean you look at dallas spent a first round pick on mozzie smith like that could have been keanu bent instead of mozzie smith and i don't think like at least i wouldn't have been questioning it if that's the route that they would have went because you know how i felt about keanu benton but um 
all right, well, now we got to talk negatively about the defense. What is it? And, and I'm not like you should win more games than not with what they were getting from their defense. But, and we'll talk about the injuries. What is it about the end of half defense for whatever reason that they are just, I mean, you could go back through. I brought this up to Allen. Whether it's a field goal or seven, they have given up points in eight of their games this year right before half or at the end of the fourth quarter. I, I don't know what it is about the end of half defense from them. I don't know if it's getting like playing too relaxed, being willing to give up a field goal in a lot of these scenarios or what it is, but it, it, it's happening too often. And we saw it rear its head on Sunday. Again, that play where Kenny gets hurt, you know, at the one yard line and they don't punch it in Arizona goes 99 yards for a touchdown right before half. And that is, the swing of the game right there. I mean, much that was the all the momentum right there. You can get defensively. Yeah. It's going into yeah. halftime. Yeah. I don't know. It, that I I would give them the benefit of the doubt, or I'd at least like to, in terms of like their end of game, because they've been on the field so much more than the offense. But even in the first half, like I I don't understand what it is that they give up points so easily at the at the ends of these halves. I think that you could be onto something. I think it could be them just like kind of taking their foot off the gas and and playing more of a a bend don't break, but oftentimes they they do break and they do let up seven right before halftime. Um, but I I I just don't, I don't know if that's necessarily in what type of schemes they're calling that they're they're letting this give up, or is it just something mentally with the players to where they're just kind of like taking it a little easy on the, some of these drives. But it's it's a killer, and then like I said, that letting up a ninety nine yard drive mm -hmm. is arguably the worst thing that you can do as a defense. I I, I think that letting up a ninety nine yard drive, you let them go the entire way of the field because it's not like they had a short field, or if they're at midfield, or even if they were on twenty five, they were at their own one, and you let them drive down. As far as a defense goes, there should be nothing that pisses you off more than letting that happen. So I, I don't know what to make of it. Week two against Cleveland, they let up a field goal with 27 seconds left in the half. Week four against Houston, they let up a field goal with four seconds left in the half. Week six against the Rams, or I'm sorry, week seven, because they had a bye week six. Week seven against the Rams, they let up a touchdown with 25 seconds left. Uh, week eight against Jacksonville, they let up a field goal with a minute left. Week nine against Tennessee, they gave up a field goal with three seconds left in the half, first half. Um, and Packers one was still four minutes left in the half, touchdown. Uh, week eleven against Cleveland, not field goal with nine seconds left in the first half, and then the game-winning field goal with five seconds left in the game. So both of those, and then. Um, that was it because I don't count the Cincinnati field goal in that game because clearly they were letting they I mean, were up 16 one. to seven and they let them have the field goal. And then, yeah, that was before this Cardinals one. So, so including the Cardinals left. one, there's been eight occurrences where they've given up a yeah. score at the end of a half, like on the last drive of a half. Mm -hmm. Yes. In 12 games. Man, that's good. That's efficient. <laughs> you want to talk about efficiency? Yes. If if the Steelers are anything, if their offense is going to be inefficient, you you know their defense is going to be efficient at something. Two thirds of the games they've let up let up a score at the end of at least one of the two halves, right at the end within the last minute. Yeah, I mean that's that's not good. And but overall, it's hard to put blame on the defense for the reasons you're saying. They're on the field so much. Like the only time that we saw balance between the offense and defense was that game against Cincinnati. And TJ talked about it like feeling like there was still another level for this defense. If the offense is able to run the ball and hold time of possession, how much better can we be? Especially when we get Minka back, they get Minka back. It doesn't matter because the offense isn't putting points up on the board. And then Minka breaks his hand in this game. Not going to miss time, but you know, why not? Of course, with everything else that's happened this year, Minka breaks his hand in this game. So you know what did we talk about? Was it on here or I had so many conversations about this player for Arizona. I don't know if I talked about him on here or if it was just with Nick and Allen, Trey McBride. And, you know, the Steelers for a long time 
had had trouble with tight ends. They had seemed to fix that. Terrell Edmonds was a big part of being able to erase those tight ends for a while. Uh, I brought up Trey McBride because I didn't think that the Cardinals were necessarily a very, you know, explosive passing attack, but he was the one guy that had really started to come on. They did not have an answer for him, especially in the first half. Like, I don't, I don't know what the plan was supposed He's to be. He's the only one they didn't have an answer for. Right. Yeah. And then when, when they started taking him away in the second half, then Arizona was able to run the football. So anytime that like Pittsburgh started the punch back, Arizona had an answer for them, but McBride eight catches, 89 yards. Mm-hmm. I think in this one, um, I think Michael Walker was the primary defender for most of that first half. Uh, they did not have an answer for him. I, I I mentioned I thought like Trenton Thompson could make sense to match up with him with the way that he had played. And if it didn't work out, then I know it sucks because you want him to be able to move around more. But why you know why didn't Minka see more of him w- with the fact that you weren't having you know Rondale Moore give you a ton of problems or Hollywood Brown give you a ton of problems in this one? It, it should have been taken away. Trey McBride, you got to adjust to what Arizona was doing, which was clearly getting him the football early and often in this one. And I just don't think the Steelers' defense adjusted to it early enough. Um, and that's why you know he was so explosive in this game. Like I said, eight for eighty-nine and a touchdown. The only other Cardinals receiver was Jeff Swaim that had more than one catch. Another tight end, coincidentally enough. Everyone Jeez. else had one or none. Yeah, I actually didn't even realize that. Wow. Jeff Swaim had two. And everybody else had one. Trey which kind of goes, which kind of goes, if you're looking at McBride just as a pass catch, not necessarily tight end, that kind of goes with what the Steelers defense has done all year. You know, like one guy, whether it's the superstar or somebody else, is going to get his numbers, but they're going to take away everybody else. But unfortunately, in this one, it did, it did burn them. We've seen times where like it, it hasn't mattered um, and they're okay with doing that. But in this one, because of, again, they were able to end up running the ball so well down the stretch when the Steelers started to take him away. That's what it was. More than anything else, I think, the Cardinals had a counterpunch when the Steelers took away the one thing that they wanted to do. The Raiders didn't have a counterpunch to, you know, saying, okay, throw to Devontae Adams. They didn't have somebody else to go to. Um, so in this one, Arizona was like, okay, we got Trey McBride. Let's cook with this for a little bit. The Steelers adjust to it. Then we start James Conner goes over 100 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Yeah, they had an answer for everything that they were doing. It was just a frustrating game. And honestly, I mean, obviously you rewatched it, but just watching it, it just was frustrating. Yeah. And I feel oh. like the rain delay added even more to the frustration. Two, two rain delays. Two rain delays added more yeah. to the frustration. Because it's just like, if Steelers are going to lose, so, I just want to get this game over with. <laughs> here's what we really haven't talked about at all. And, you know, we normally avoid this subject, but a lot of people, you know, oh, here's the yearly Tomlin game was this one against the Cardinals losing to a two and 10 team at home. This is the one time, and I'm not on board with like this being a thing all the time, but I definitely think that they were outcoached in this one. I mean, top to bottom, I think when you have a performance like that at home against that opponent where you should be able to just go in, play your game, not do anything too crazy and be able to walk out with a win. Um, when you lose to that team by multiple possessions and look the way that the Steelers did, I, I think you know there is some credence to this one and a lot of the blame falling on Tomlin for this one. I am by no means saying that he should be on the hot seat or questioning if he's the guy for the job or anything like that. I'm talking about this one oh, game we need specifically. Our to do it. I'm talking about this one game specifically. Uh, him, Terrell, everybody on the coaching staff, I thought was just outclassed by Arizona's coaching staff which I do not think is, is necessary. I do think the offensive coordinator is actually very good. Um, Drew Petzig. Um, I think he's, de- he's a decent coordinator, but I, th- there's no reason that they should have lost this football game, especially in not a better did. coach than Tomlin. No, absolutely not. It shouldn't be. He just was in this game. Yeah. But as far as like the coaching staff goes, um, why do you think that there's always just one game that this happens to? I mean, maybe, it, maybe it, like, obviously the Cardinals are bad, but, like, they also beat the Cowboys. So it's not like and that was without, and that was without Kyler. Yeah. So it's not like they've, then again, the Cowboys haven't beat anybody with a winning record. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe I don't the, have a point. The Cardinals, the Cardinals are two and two since Kyler came back. And they've played their other two games, like, tough they're play they played well actually the rams game got out of hand but they were playing them tough in the first half um yeah i, I don't know what it I, I think that it happens more around the league than people realize and they're just so tunnel visioned on pittsburgh they think this is just like a tomlin thing i think bad teams beat teams 
that they have no reason beating on a yearly basis, and it just doesn't get talked about because it's not Mike Tomlin. How much do you put into them overlooking the Cardinals like was being floated around? Yeah, I heard you know Jalen Warren talked about that, I, and I saw people put out part of what Deontay Johnson said as opposed to the full video, which Chris Carter did, um, because Deontay said like they prepared – well throughout the week, just as they would for any other game. They thought they had a good week of practice, but he just didn't think that it looked the same in the game. And maybe some guys were, you know, looking past this one. Jalen Warren's comments to me were a little bit different because it seemed like he was saying like straight up that they were looking past in this one. They weren't taking them as seriously. I Like Minka talked about Trey McBride specifically. Maybe they didn't take him as serious. Allen Robinson kind of downplayed all of it, saying, like, this is the NFL. Like, NFL teams take NFL teams seriously. So I, I don't know what to make of it. It's, you know, each guy might look, be looking at it differently, but you got to have everybody on the same page. And out of everything with all those guys, I agree with Allen Robinson the most, and they better be looking at the New England Patriots as an NFL team that could absolutely beat them because they can. If they go into this game with the exact same mindset that they just had against Arizona, they will lose to the New England Patriots. Yeah, and I only bring that up because of us talking about the coaching staff. And I like I I know these are grown men. This is a professional job, and they should be able to motivate themselves. This is a National Football League. But at the same time, I feel like motivation also does come from your coaching staff, even at this level. So I wonder how like how much would you yeah. associate if they were overlooking the Cardinals, if any. Like just say for example, like you agree with where we we take Jalen Warren's comments, and they actually did overlook the Cardinals somewhat. Like how much is that yeah. is on the coaching staff not instilling that in the the previous week? Um, hmm. that's tough because again, you're talking about guys that should be able to self motivate. I feel and, like and it's different at, at the college and high school level than it is at the yeah. NFL level. Yeah, and I mean, you look at where the Steelers are right now. Certainly before this game, maybe still after, depending on you know how the Ravens play the rest of the way. Absolutely still in the mix for the division, let alone the fact that they're still looking good for a playoff spot. What more motivation do you need as an NFL player than to have a shot in the dance? You know, like that should have been all they're looking at. Let's take care of business at home against Arizona. Then we got, you know, a short week with New England also coming here. Two two win teams coming, uh, you know, this, this should be an opportunity for us to take. Not take lightly, but for us to take. And... Yeah, so that's why I think this was such a letdown to me because you had the opportunity to get the eight wins right here, you know, with New England coming in, and you could have gone, and, and I know I'm bringing in like a stupid thing here, get over your preseason Vegas win total of eight and a half by Thursday against New England. Um, you know, I, I, I still think they're looking fine. Like they're still in that five seed, uh, and they could you know, be at eight and five after Thursday and be feeling okay again about things. But Man, such a letdown in the, in this game against Arizona. And uh, if you I, won, I you would have been tied with it. the Jags and the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You know, two teams that maybe we didn't expect to see lose this week. You know, Kansas City losing to Green Bay on Sunday night, and then Jacksonville against. You mentioned Jake Browning earlier in the show. Jake Browning and the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday night. Now they're six and six. I mean, they're still kind of in the mix. You know, if Browning continues to play around. like that, I, yeah. If Browning continues to play like that, they're not they're not going anywhere. Um, they got enough playmakers on the outside, obviously. And Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is back as of last night, and Joe Mixon's playing well. Uh, their defense eh, isn't very good, but they got some players there on that side of the football too. They just have. I think that they haven't been able to make up for the loss of their safeties. They lost both starting safeties this offseason, uh, and Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell, and they haven't been able to make up for. I like Daxton Hill, but I don't think he's that type of player. And they, you know, the other guy, Nick Scott, they brought in from the Rams. He's a good player too, but I just don't think that they fit exactly what they lost. I'm just looking at the playoff picture right now for the AFC. And there's eight, mm-hmm. eight teams within the six and six to eight and four window. Yeah. With, yeah. With, the, with the Bengals at the bottom of six and six tied with the bills and the Broncos. Then you have the Texans, Browns, Colts, and Steelers at seven and five, and then Jags and Chiefs at eight and four. Like yeah. you're talking I mean, about you're the Ravens name swing <laughs> for either of these guys. Yeah. If you're the Ravens, how good are you feeling right now? I mean, with what you've seen happen in the division uh, to the quarterbacks and man, I mean, between them and I think the dolphins got to be feeling good too. So I don't know. I don't know. I still, you obviously like when you have Patrick Mahomes, you feel like the Chiefs are going to figure it out. 
Lawrence's injury doesn't appear to be too bad compared to what it looked like it was last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think now, okay, so they got to go play Cleveland. And obviously we want the Jaguars to win that game. They got to go play Cleveland now, maybe without Trevor Lawrence or with Trevor Lawrence on a, with an ankle sprain. If the Jags drop that game, Houston, just one game behind them. I don't know. Houston could do it. Houston could do it. Yeah. And then you guys start talking about, yeah, I was going to say, and then you guys start talking about, should CJ Stroud be in the MVP conversation? If, if you don't think he is already. I think he is right now. Yeah. Which would be insane. Okay. Who's your, right now, who would be your top three for MVP? Um, Stroud's in there, honestly. Okay. For, he's He's been so impressive to me for being a rookie. And I, whenever it came to the 2023 quarterbacks, was Stroud your number one or were you Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson? Uh, as far as like... Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna. It was Bryce Young. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I I didn't have Stroud number one either. So, man, as much as I loved Anthony Richardson, I did have Stroud too. I had uh, Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, maybe Hendon Hooker, who we haven't seen obviously in Detroit. But I mean, my top would be C.J. Stroud. I feel like Jalen Hurts is still in my top three, mm, despite okay. despite what they did in, against the 49ers, getting schlacked in Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, maybe Dak, even though the Cowboys have said, been like... You said two of my three. But I have a non-quarterback. I would take out Jalen Hurts and I'd have Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that's true. That's true. For some reason, when I think MVP, my mind only goes to quarterback. And I, and I get it. And it, you know, who knows? Like I wasn't that, even thinking. Well I wasn't even thinking about any other positions, but like I was subconsciously doing that, not because I didn't want to think about a running back or a receiver. Like yeah. I, it's just, I it just seems like it always goes to an MVP or it goes to a quarterback. But um, I do want to mention real quick from this game too before we do our predictions for Thursday. Or yeah, for Thursday night, um, the injury stuff. Landon Roberts now dealing with a groin. Isaac Samalo left with a shoulder. This Landon Roberts one, though, you know, is as good as Samalo has ended up being, and, and the, as well as he's played down the stretch here, and important, I think, he is to that offensive line. Due to what they've already lost at inside linebacker, they really can't afford to be without a Landon Roberts. And I'm not talking, you know, if it's one, a one game absence, okay, maybe you can get by New England without him. But man, you lose Cole Holcomb. You lose Quan Alexander. Landon Roberts has stepped in and played really well. Now he's dealing with this groin issue. Man, what what else is going to happen at inside linebacker? Like you could be looking at tomorrow night, uh, by the time people are watching and listening to this, at an inside linebacker room of Michael Walker, Mark Robinson, Blake Martinez, and maybe they elevate Miles Jack. Like, oh my goodness. If you had told me before the season that that was going to be the inside linebacker room, are you kidding me? And uh, Darius Leonard did sign with the Eagles. Yeah. You, yep. That was disappointing to see too, because like that, you, as mm-hmm. soon as you see that they he was being released, that's a guy you instantly circle as to uh, someone that the Steelers could have brought in. With everything they've lost there, yeah. I mean, it it made sense, but from everything that I've heard, they weren't they didn't even like you know, make contact. Phone? Like there was, yeah. Well, now he's on the other side of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you do. <laughs> I I honestly don't because. That room would be so thin if he couldn't go, and mm-hmm. you you already are looking at w- whether or not like Mark Robinson. It's pretty clear they don't want to play him. He was so bad on Sunday. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not trying to to bash the guy because clearly, like they went into this season with him break glass in case of emergency. They did not want to play him, but with the injuries they've had, they've had to play him. He was getting blown up in run plays at the second level. I mean, that it was honestly, I'm not exaggerating. That was some of the worst run defense I've seen in my life. As somebody that watched Devin Bush play linebacker for the Steelers. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, this is me trying to like, not necessarily defend Mark Robinson, but didn't he only play it, one, I, one year of linebacker at Texas A&M before yes. coming before. Uh, yeah. Ole Miss. Ole, or Miss. Ole, Ole Miss. Yeah. He was only a linebacker for one year. 
So <laughs> I get, I get it. I, I I'm not. It, it's I'm not more about to defend him, but I'm just trying to like wrap my head around why he'd be so bad. That's really what I'm yeah. trying to justify it. That's what I'm yeah, doing. And I get it. They didn't want to play him this year, and like I think he is a promising player. I love the athletic profile. I think they might have something in him down the road. It's not right now, and unfortunately, he had to play right now and got badly, badly exposed against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm just saying. And it, it, not that this would have mattered because two out of the three or at least two out of the three after the season and and three of the four that you ha- opened the season with could be out in this game. But mm-hmm. this this goes back to whenever we were looking at that 53 man roster, the initial 53 man roster. And I bring up it's, it was surprising to me that they were only carrying four middle linebackers. And I still go back. Yeah, They got rid of like, uh, Kwiatkowski and Tanner Muse. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they should have at least carried a fifth. Because then maybe you wouldn't have as much of a depth issue. Although I will say I like the idea of having Blake Martinez and Miles Jack as opposed to those two. It's just they yeah. weren't here the entire time. They weren't here the entire time. And yeah. it, I just I just go back to that when I look at the the linebacker problems they're having. is like maybe they should have carried at least five. Because yeah. it seems surprising to me when they were the Air King four in the first place. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, predictions for Thursday night, Steelers and Patriots. Um, I'll go on and I'm gonna make a bold prediction and, and say that both teams are going to score over six. I feel like that's a bold prediction for this one. <laughs> I mean, the the total being set at like 30, I mean, the lowest that we've seen, insane. But the Patriots have given up what like 13 points, 10 points, and six points, and they're 0 and three in the last three weeks doing that, something stupid like that. Um, so this is a, this is the perfect Steelers game for them, right? Like, you know, the offense isn't going to have to do a whole lot. N- New England's missing probably their best offensive player now in Ramondre Stevenson. So they shouldn't be, um, that tall of a task to shut them down offensively. The one thing is what the Steelers want to do is the one thing New England is good at defending the run. They are third in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game at under 88. So it's going to be interesting. I think this is a play action week. I think, uh, you know, this is a week that you get Jalen Warren heavily involved in the passing game as opposed to, you know, just letting him run between the tackles and getting him out, you want to get him out on the perimeter. Um, I still think they're going to try to run the football, but I'm just saying I think that, you know, with the way New England has been able to stop the run, it's going to come down to hitting some play action shots. Like I mentioned earlier, could be a George Pickens week if you can, you know, expose some of that, get him on a, on a double move or something like that. Um, I think the Steelers win this one for sure. I will say 16 to six, the Steelers win on Thursday night football. I like it. I like it. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to run the ball uh, all that well. I think they're going to have to move it through the air more than Steeler fans would like, especially for the way that they, we have been running the ball as of late. Um, and I think that what we talked about with Mitch Trubisky kind of feeling loose, maybe not necessarily in this one, but at least in the next one, but it, starting in this one, there's no there's no pressure behind him. Really, I, I, I genuinely don't feel like Mr. Bisky should feel much pressure at all. Like just go out there and 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 do it. Like who? It, there's there's really no expectations for you. You're at an all time low. I feel like in expectations from the fan base, they're not expecting you to do anything. And especially in a game like this, they're not expecting any team to do anything in this game. It's just, it's just it's arguably two bad teams playing each other. So go out there and. And just let it loose. And I'm going to go with a score that our uh, our friend Joe, who is part of the Around the 412 Fantasy Football Show, if you haven't uh, haven't looked at that, go check that out. But should be back this week. For those on YouTube, I'm going to bring this up because it was on Twitter. So I want to show everybody that (laughs) he tweeted out, "Good news, everybody! Script is out." And it was a picture of Heinz Field with the with the Steelers and the Patriots, and the score is twenty to sixteen. And I don't know what was going on in Heinz Field where this was this was on on the the screens, but I'm just going to steal this. I'm going to go with the script of the game, and I'm going to say the Steelers are going to win twenty to sixteen. I know that is <laughs> that that seems like a That's bit of a shootout. I understand a lot it. of points. That's a lot of points. I, I actually I'm very curious. What is the what is the total in this game? Thir- I, I, 30 and a half, I believe. 
30 and a half. So we'd be we'd be hammering the over at 20 to 16. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's like that's like a 40 to 30 game for other teams. Like 30 and a half. And are the Steelers favored? I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's what, what's the line? I think they're favored by like six. Like they're expecting New England to score no points, basically, which they haven't. 20. OK, at least uh, as far as ESPN goes, 29 and a half. And the Steelers are six point favorite. So what you're telling me is they're expecting the game to be like twenty six. That's, that's what that total is telling me. Or no, 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 no. I'm trying to think of how that math works. Like twenty or seventeen to yeah, seventeen to fourteen would go over. Seventeen so, to fourteen would go over. So seventeen to twelve. 17 to 13. Like that's really what. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe, or maybe my math's still off, but I'm trying, I'm just trying to think of like, how, that is such a, 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 I feel like anomaly of a total for maybe not this, the Steelers, but just in football in general, under it's 30 the lowest. for the total. The lowest. It is the lowest, like for mm-hmm. the season. No, all time. It's the lowest for an NFL game or since it was starting to be tracked. <laughs> That is amazing. That and is it's gone. Now, it amazing. was the lowest. It was the lowest at 30 and a half. Now it's 29 and a half. So it's 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 continuing to set history. That's, that's I got awesome. it at 34 and a half. That's awesome. I got Steelers what, got money line. Steelers money line and under. Yeah. I could I mean, if you told me that the Steelers are gonna win this game. Like they did in that that monsoon against Miami in like two thousand and six or seven, oh, where they won like three six, to nothing. Three. Was it three nothing? Okay, I thought it was three nothing. It might have been. It might have been. Probably was. It, I believe you. And at, at the end of the day, I'd be laughing at you because I was the one sitting at home watching it. <laughs> Dude, I, hey, I'm excited to be there. Color rush. They got the gold end zone. Color rush well. and the gold yeah. end zones. The, the gold ends. I. What do you should the gold end zones be permanent? I mean, yeah, but like, what do you do about Pitt playing there? Like, that's how do you? They have they have gold on the jersey. I get yeah. So what the gold stays, but it's you just have to take off the Steelers, like so it have to say Pitt or Panthers. I think they could do. Right. They they changed the logo in the middle of the field. They could change the end zones. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wish that I saw somebody. I think it was Donnie Football put up a poll: pull, uh, gold end zones or block numbers. Which one would you have rather have be permanent? If you can only pick one, block numbers. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting because I if you're bringing back block numbers full time, are you still wearing are you wearing like the color rush once a year or something? Or well, the color rush are block that? numbers, right? Are they? I think the color rush are block numbers. I'm pretty sure that the color rush have block. I'm like numbers. having trouble picturing it now. Like you said that, and I'm sitting here like trying to picture the color rush jersey now. So I'm pretty sure the color rush are block numbers. And I'll tell you my reasoning why I would rather have. Uh, oh yeah, they're block numbers. Look at this. Look at this. I will present. This these are 100 block numbers. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why I was having like trouble visualizing it. Yeah, I would I would 100 take the block numbers. Not only does the color rush, in my opinion, make more sense because you'd have the same continuation of the numbers whether you're wearing a color rush as an alternate jersey or you're wearing a normal jersey. But the color rush, you or, or the the block numbers you get regardless of you are home or away, and the white. Yeah, I want block that, yeah. jerseys look so good. Yeah, the, the the yellow end zones looks cool, but you only get them at home games. The block you get no matter what. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. I would agree. I think ultimately I would agree anyway. But I just I thought about it. like because there's certain jerseys that I think I really like, but it's cool that they break them out like once a year. But for the reason of also having the away block numbers, I would want those to be full time. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else? Oh, we gotta go. Wait, never mind. Bold prediction. Yeah, I want bold prediction. One bold prediction. 
bold prediction? We did scores, but I don't I don't think you said any like bold prediction to have unless I guess that is if you're picking that as your score, I guess that is a bold prediction in itself. Bold prediction is Mitch Trubisky will throw and rush for a touchdown. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. What would be a bold prediction here? Um. Who's somebody random, kinda? Offense or defense? Offense. Either a tight end, not named Pat Fryermuth, will catch. Miles Boykin. No, no, not Miles Boykin. A tight end that isn't Fryermuth is going to catch a touchdown. So Connor Hayward. Or Darnell. They don't throw to Darnell. Let's be serious. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's catching a touchdown that's a tight end that's not Pat Fryermuth. There it is. Oh, Hunter Henry. That's who it will be. <laughs> it'd, be fu- it'd be funny. I'm a- I'll actually use that <laughs> to say that I was right. Um, but all right, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is the last opportunity when I say that. I'm only saying that because we won't talk again until after it's over to donate to rock around the 412 year six. Uh, we've raised over $30,000 in the first five years of doing so, uh, or actually at this point, I mean, six years of doing so it's almost over for year six. So uh, every year we do this Christmas mission um, and we raise money to provide Christmas for as many children as we can, the seven, two, four and four, one, two areas. As of last year, we also started partnering up with the East Rochester PA Salvation Army in the name of our late friend Dalton Keen with the help of Kaylee and Isla. We were able to adopt 26 kids off their Salvation Army angel tree as well uh, and get everything that they had on their list. That is actually what is to my left when I keep mentioning these boxes that are literally right outside of the shot um, for me. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing that. That is awesome. But we also helped out a couple different families, a single mother of three girls, uh, a single mother of two boys. And then I got a family that I, I mentioned this earlier when I put up a video on X that's kind of like on standby, um, reached out to me, went to school with me, graduated the year before me um, that has five kids. So would love to be able to help them out in some capacity. Uh, we got a couple donations today that should be able to help us do something. But uh, the more the merrier, the more that we can do, obviously, uh, we're going to be very thankful for that. And if you donate at least $10, you'll be eligible to win some sweet prizes. Eric Carlson jersey, Joey Porter Jr. jersey, Steelers jersey of choice, Minka autograph jersey, Penguin tickets, uh, and at least one Pirates item will be thrown in there as well, TBA. Um, the link to donate is wherever you are watching or listening to this, it will be right there in the GoFundMe. You can read the full mission there. I try to, you know, check all the boxes when I'm saying it, but there might be stuff I missed. There's it's for sure the mission statement is at the GoFundMe, which is our pin post on X or again right here in the description wherever you're watching or listening. Also, our friend Haley Wagner, her small business, everything custom designs, Etsy, Facebook links both below. Check that out. You can get a Christmas gift for somebody, something customized, or you can get a Christmas stocking, Christmas bag, some really cool stuff. Just not one of these bad boys. Can't get a hat. Sorry about it. Not happening. Um but yeah, I think that's it um, for Tyler, for Smitty. This has been another episode of the Around the 412 Steelers show. Go check out our Penguin show for the week, uh, which should drop the following day whenever this is coming out. So whenever you're watching listening to this, it might be out. It might not be out. Maybe schedule a timer. If you hit that notification bell, you will know when it goes up anyway. But until then, till next time, we'll see you then.